Last November, Julie and her friend Liz were watching uh, whales in kayaks off the coast of California. They were about 30 feet from a group of uh, feeding humpback whales when suddenly they found themselves a little too close for comfort. What happened there was a, was a large school of fish called a, a bait ball gathered around their, their kayak. And one of the whales, in an attempt to eat all of those fish, came up to the surface, but it didn't just get a mouthful of fish. It also took the kayak with these two women and dragged them underwater. Now, after about six seconds, they were released and they managed to resurface, as you saw in the video. The, the whale wouldn't have been able to swallow them because its throat is too narrow and they were both left unharmed. But as you can imagine, it must have been a terrifying experience for them both. But that was nothing compared to what Jonah went through. If you remember, the prophet Jonah, he didn't want to tell the, the evil people of Nineveh about God's coming judgment. And so he tried to run away from the Lord on a ship that was bound for Spain, for Tarshish in Spain. But the Lord had sent a severe storm and the ship was about to sink. So Jonah was confronted with his sin and so he told the sailors to throw him overboard and that would calm the storm. Reluctantly, they agreed. And as Jonah sank, the sea grew calm. But this wasn't the end of Jonah. Because God had an amazing rescue plan. And we're going to read that rescue plan today. From Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. So it's the last verse of Jonah chapter 1 through into the end of chapter 2. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded a fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah had stubbornly resisted the Lord. When he was commanded to go to Nineveh, he tried to go as far as he could in the opposite direction. Then when the Lord sent the storm, he was below deck, asleep. 
And when he was forced into confessing his sin, still Jonah resisted repenting. And even his plan to be thrown into the, into the sea was yet another attempt to run away from the Lord. He would rather die than see Nineveh saved. But as Jonah sank into the sea, something unanticipated happened. Jonah prayed. Verse 2 says, In my distress, I called to the Lord. And as Jonah recounted his prayer from inside the fish, Jonah expressed humility before the Lord. He said this in verse 3, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers broke over me. See, Jonah had he got the sailors to throw him overboard. But at that moment, he realised that behind the hand of the sailors was actually the hand of God. The Lord was in control of this situation. Jonah was drowning under the waves of God's judgment against his rebellion. He was suffering the consequences of his sin. So he says in verse 4, I have been banished from your sight. Remember, Jonah was thought he was running away from the presence of the Lord. He was going to experience the freedom of being able to do what he wanted in Tarshish in Spain. But now he realized that his sin had separated him from his God. And so Jonah accepted that he was suffering the consequences of his own actions. He had rebelled against the Lord's commands. He had ignored his warnings. He had refused his appeals. But now, when all hope seemed gone, Jonah pleaded for help. Verse 2, from the depths of the grave, I called for help. Of course, Jonah wasn't dead But he thought he was drowning. He later powerfully described the experience of going down and down into the sea. He says, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Jonah felt like he was dying. He felt like there was no hope. And in that moment of desperation, Jonah called out to the Lord. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Now, of course, that could have happened at any time. On this journey, Jonah could have prayed to the Lord at any time in the middle of that storm. But for Jonah, it only happened when he reached rock bottom. Finally, his stubborn heart was broken. Finally, his resistance was defeated. His heart was humbled. When the reality of his impending death 
broke through. Instead of running away from the Lord, he turned to the Lord and called out to him and asked for help. And it seems that some people, they need to reach rock bottom before they're willing to humble themselves before the Lord and call out to be saved. Jesus talked about somebody like that in his parable of the prodigal son. Remember after squandering his father's wealth on wild living, this son ended up in a, uh, feeding, feeding pigs in the middle of a famine. And it was only then, right in the very depths of despair, that he actually came to his senses and declared, I will set out and go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. This also happened to, to one of the, the thieves who were hanging on a cross eh, beside Jesus when Jesus died there. Hanging there in agony and shame. This man realised that he was suffering the consequences of his own actions. He was getting what he deserved. But he turned to Jesus And said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this also happened to a man called John, a sailor. His mum had prayed that he would become a a minister. and And she taught him the Bible and Christian hymns from a very early age. But John had refused to listen. He ended up as a sailor with a reputation for swearing, for for vulgarity and depravity. But on board a slave ship, in the middle of a storm on the Atlantic Ocean, God broke through. The storm had lasted for over a week, and it seemed like there was little hope of them getting through that uh, alive. But tied to the helm to try and keep the ship on course, John finally gave in. And he prayed for the first time in years. And God rescued him. Now, that wasn't the end of the process in John's life. On his very next voyage, John fell back into his old way of life. Until a a violent fever again stopped him in his tracks. And it would be some time before John fully understood the evil of the slavery, the, the slave trade that he was involved in. But John's life had been changed. And eventually, in answer to his mother's prayer, John did become a minister and a famous preacher and a hymn writer. His name, of course, was John Newton. And his most famous and enduring legacy is Amazing Grace. This beautiful song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Some people need to reach rock bottom before they call out to God. Of course, that's not an excuse For us to continue to rebel against the Lord until we reach that point. Because we always suffer in some way when we do this. Running away from the Lord always impacts negatively on our lives. But this is an encouragement for us. 
not to lose hope. When we see other people heading for rock bottom, or when we reach that point in our own lives, we don't need to despair. Because this might be the very moment that God has brought us to, or brought them to, so that we will humble ourselves and call out to him for help and be saved. So Peter writes, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. It's amazing to see Jonah finally humbling himself before the Lord and asking for help. But I think it's even more amazing to see that God answered his call. In my distress, I called to the Lord, verse 2 says, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Jonah had tried to run away from the presence of the Lord. But the very instant that he that he turned back to him, the Lord was right there, ready, waiting, eager to hear. And this is our confidence this morning. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, whatever struggles we face, whatever mess that we've made of our lives or we're in the middle of, We can cry out to the God who hears us. Psalm 10 verse 17 says, You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. We can call out to the God who hears us this morning. But but God didn't just hear Jonah's prayer. God answered it by rescuing him. Look at verse 6. You brought my life up from the pit. O Lord, my God. Jonah was drowning. His situation seemed completely hopeless. He was powerless to do anything he could to save himself. But God was able. And God was willing to save him. And this is the the wonderful truth this morning. Our God is a God who saves. As Psalm 68 and 20 says, God steps into impossible situations. When everything seems hopeless, when we are powerless to do anything to save ourselves. Our God is able and he is willing to save us. But he often does it in the most unexpected of ways. We read verse 17 of chapter 1 this morning. It says, The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, looking back, I think I used to 
uh, understand that getting that Jonah getting swallowed by a great fish was a kind of like a, a, a punishment on Jonah. That at least it was it was part of the consequences on Jonah's life of running away from God. But that's not really what's going on here. The fish was rather God's lifeboat for him. It was God's answer to Jonah's prayer as he sank into the depths of the sea. Now, of course, many people read this and they just reject it out of hand. They refuse to accept it. They claim that nobody could be swallowed by a fish or even a whale, if that's what some people think it says, and survive. They point out that somebody would drown or that the lack of oxygen, or the presence of the methane gas, or the stomach acid would mean certain death. Others have tried to show the the plausibility of this. They they take the kind of opposite view and say, no, 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 this is possible. And they try and point out to other events when people allegedly were swallowed by some kind of sea creature and survived. One of these goes way back to 1891. The story of James Bartley. It's claimed that he fell overboard eh, from a whaling ship and he was swallowed by a whale. But when that whale was caught and cut open 36 hours later, they found Jonah, eh, James, sorry, in the stomach, still alive, though bleached white and blind from the stomach acid. Now, whether those stories are accurate in any way at all or not, I don't really know, and I I very much doubt it. But that's not really important for us. Because Jonah's rescue inside that fish is not described in our passage as a natural event. It wasn't something that could have happened to anybody. It wasn't just something that happened that would have happened in any situation. This was a supernatural act of God doing something that otherwise, yes, would have been impossible. This was a miracle. And it's not the only one in this, in this passage, in this, in this book. Of course, we've seen already in chapter one, the violent storm that God sent. And the, the, when they cast lots, the lot just falling on Jonah, which God arranged. Or the instant calming of the sea when Jonah hit the water. Again, which God did. And of course, when the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. These are not natural events. These are miracles. But as Christians... We shouldn't struggle with God's ability to do the miraculous. If he really is our creator, the one who spoke this whole universe into being from nothing, then nothing is impossible with God. And so God's rescue of Jonah here It points to the power of God to do what is impossible for everybody else. 
It declares to us that our God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And that is what God has done in our lives through his son. This unexpected rescue of Jonah points to the unexpected rescue of Jesus. This is what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. Before he went to the cross, this is what Jesus said. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So so Jesus said that the, the, the rescue of Jonah inside that fish was a picture of his rescue from inside the heart of the earth, from the grave. And of course, his resurrection is the greatest of all miracles. Because Jesus didn't nearly die like Jonah did. He wasn't rescued from death. Instead, Jesus really did die on the cross to pay for our sins. And he was buried. And both Jesus' enemies and his disciples, all of them thought that this was the end of Jesus. But on the third day, Jesus rose again. This was unexpected. For anyone else, it would have been impossible. But God raised them from the, from the dead, as Acts 2.24 says, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death could not hold him. The grave could not defeat him. Jesus rose again to declare that our sins were paid for in full. And to offer eternal life to all who will trust in him. And so today, if we have put our faith in Jesus, then we too have been saved. We too have been rescued. And we can confidently look forward to our ultimate rescue when Jesus comes back again for us. So Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 14. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. So God did the impossible and he saved Jonah. But the question I have is, why? Why did God save Jonah? After all, Jonah had no right to ask anything of God. He had no excuse for his rebellion, no grounds for complaining, no bargain to be made. He had chosen to reject God and now he was suffering for it. He could blame no one else for the mess that he found himself in other than himself. And yet as he sank down to the bottom of the sea, he cried out to God and God heard him 
and rescued him. This was nothing less than the amazing grace of God that John Newton wrote about. Before Jonah, he knew this grace. He knew about it. He told God in Jonah chapter 4 verse 2, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, who a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah knew that God was so loving that he reached out to the undeserving eh, to give favour to guilty sinners. But now Jonah experienced it firsthand. Jonah was saved by grace. And if we've trusted in Jesus, then this is what we have experienced too. This is what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. Like Jonah. We too were all dead. In our transgressions and sins. We too were all suffering the consequences. Of our sin and rebellion against the Lord. We too were sinking far from God. And heading to a lost eternity. But God reached out to us in love. He rescued us, forgiving our sins, washing us clean, adopting us in his family and committing himself to us forever. We didn't do anything to deserve this. We could never do anything to earn this. And we certainly can never even try to start and pay it back. This is nothing less than his undeserved and unmerited gift of outrageous grace. This is what continued to amaze John Newton. When he was much older, uh, he told one of his friends, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner. And Christ is a great saviour. And this is the message that we are called to share with this world. That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. As Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1 and 15. The gospel is not for good people who've done enough good to outweigh the bad. It's not for people who have tried their best and just need a little bit of help to get there. The gospel is for sinners who have been totally lost in the depths of their depravity and who can't do anything to save themselves. The gospel is the message of God's grace. And only God is able to give us the grace that we so desperately need. Paul, eh, Jonah says in in, in chapter 2 and verse 8, that those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Only God can give us the grace 
that we need. The gospel is about God's grace that we so desperately need, but we could never deserve. And that is why God's grace is so life-transforming. In the stomach of that fish, Overwhelmed by the grace of God in saving him from that watery grave, Jonah praised the Lord for saving him. He said, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. You know, if you were here last week, then you remember this is exactly what the sailors did. Uh, when the, when their storm, when the storm was calmed, they, they sacrificed to the Lord and they made vows to him. And that's what Jonah does, does here. He sacrifices an offering of praise to the Lord and vowed to be committed to him. That's not in order to earn his rescue. And certainly it's not to try and pay it back. But it's just simply out of gratitude and thankfulness because of the salvation that came to him from the Lord. And this is God's amazing rescue plan. And if we have experienced God's amazing rescue plan in our lives, then as we saw last week, this is how we should respond to If we have humbled ourselves before the Lord, if we have called out to him and received uh, his salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then I urge you, brothers, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God which is your spiritual act of worship. This is God's amazing rescue plan. And I pray that each and every one of us have received that and have taken part in that and that we know that we have been saved by God's outrageous grace and that we will live our lives as a living sacrifice to the Lord, as an offering of gratitude and praise. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you so much, Lord, for your amazing, outrageous, wonderful grace. Thank you, Father, that when we were so far from you, you reached out to save us. You sent your Son to the cross to die in our place. To pay for our sins so that we could come into this place of being forgiven and being accepted by you and being welcomed by you, being declared righteous in your sight, being held in your hand, being enveloped in your love, being adopted into your family and know that we are safe and secure in you and that nothing and no one can ever separate us from your love. Father, we recognise that we do not deserve this at all. Lord, like Jonah, we should have been left to sink in, in in the consequences of our sin and rebellion against you. But Lord, because of your amazing love, 
You have saved us. You have rescued us. You have brought us to yourself. So Lord, I pray. I pray that each and every one of us will understand that reality, that it will impact our hearts again this morning. And that we will go out with this message of your amazing rescue plan. You'll help us to go out into this world, even this week, with all of the restrictions that we're living in. Lord, give us opportunities to share this gospel of grace, of your amazing grace with those around us. So that people in their desperation, as they hit rock bottom, Lord, as they experience the mess of their sin, that they will call out to you. And you will answer, because you are the God who saves. Lord, I just thank you for your amazing grace. And help us to take that message of your grace to desperate people around us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.